All right, so we are um, moving on here into another um, message here, talking about the theme of hope, unshakable hope. And uh, this week, the message title is Hope for the Weak, Insecure, and Fearful. Fearful. So, uh, you know, I'll just raise my hand. That's me. Okay. Uh, you may think, well, how can that be? You're standing up in front of people and you teach people at Columbus State or whatever. And I'm like, well, but, you know, that's the modified me. Okay. That's the transformed me. Okay. That's, uh, I'm sure there's some, and uh, you know, the way that God created me to be is in that. But if you had told me I'd be teaching in any capacity, uh, I was supposed to be an engineer. I mean, that's where the money was. It wasn't an education or pastoral ministry, I can tell you that, okay? Uh, but that God had it, he redirected, okay? He called an audible. We're going over this way. Of course, that was his plan, I think, from the beginning. So uh, anyway, hope for the weak, insecure, and fearful. I think we can all relate at various times uh, as we're going through life. We encounter different circumstances, uh, and we're going to find ourselves in the book of Judges. So uh, if you have a Bible there, um, if you want one, you have some in the back, but or find your, your favorite Bible app and find your way to the book of Judges, uh, chapter 6. Um, and today, <clears throat> I don't normally uh, use the uh, uh, New Living Translation, but because I'm doing a lot of reading and it's a narrative passage, I like to use uh, a more easily heard translation when you hear it. And so, uh, I'm using the NLT for that today. Um, so um, before we, we get to there and judges, uh, I do want to share a passage with you. Um, I thought I had it in here. I guess I don't. I'll read it for you. It's Romans 15.4. As, as I think about this uh, life of Gideon and how God used Gideon, uh, I think about Romans 15.4. It says, for whatever was written in, in former days, was written for our instruction. So you can't say, you know, you can't say what some people have said, which is we just need to unhitch from the Old Testament, okay, uh, and forget that. Uh, no, because that's written for our instruction, okay? And so uh, so whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through encouragement and through, the, uh, through, through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. And so it fits with our theme of hope, and, and we can see that as we dive into this Old Testament narrative passage, the story of Gideon, um, this historical account, we can see it has relevance to our lives uh, for many reasons, and, and some of the reasons are for our encouragement and our endurance, okay, and that we might have hope, right? So when you see the story of Gideon, uh, it should give you hope. Okay, because he certainly was a man who was weak and insecure and fearful, as we will see if you're not aware of his circumstances and what he is like. So um, anyway, so uh, we'll make our way down through here. The situation, you kind of need to know what's happening uh, here uh, at this the time of the judges. And uh, we'll look at the first five verses here in Judges 6. Uh, and so it says here on the screen, uh, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. 
whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel. Camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza, they left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts, and they arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. Well, it's, it's an understatement to say this was a discouraging situation, right? I mean, uh, the first verse uh, kind of tells all here, right? The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, uh, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. This is a part of God's kind of disciplinary action uh, for his people. And, um, and so, uh, but can you imagine that? Living in this, you know, agricultural type economy and uh, you raise your crops, you raise your animals, and every year uh, these marauders just show up and they overtake you. For seven years, um, just uh, just a, a dire situation, and so uh, it's important for us to to know the situation. And you might expect this, but then God's people they cry out to Him. They cry out to Him in verse six of Judges six, where it says, "So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites, and then the Israelites." cried out to the Lord for help. And so, um, this is, uh, I mean, I think obviously a logical response, right? In verse 7, it says, So when they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, uh, the Lord sent a prophet to uh, the Israelites. Now, I find this kind of interesting. Uh, You need saving. God didn't send a Savior yet. He sent a word. He needed to have a word with his people. He's like, I'm just not going to straight up save you right yet. You got to know what's going on. You got to know why you're in this situation or at least be reminded of why you are. So, so the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites and he said, so here's what the prophet says. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live. But you have not listened to me. You have not listened. I mean, this just sounds like me in the classroom. I told you guys this would happen. Try to say with all compassion, you know. Uh, and, you know, parents say it to their kids. I told you this was going to happen, but, you know, we got to let the consequences come. And we know from our own lives as adults, you know, consequences happen, right? Uh, and so God's saying, listen, you guys, you, you, you knew that I said that you're to worship me only. I'm a jealous God, right? And, of course, he's the only one true God anyway, right? Everything else is just false. Um, and so he's, he's saying that they didn't listen to him uh, and they worshiped 
Um, in, in some cases, they try to incorporate idol worship into uh, their existing worship. Uh, they where they try to like uh, you know take a little bit of Yahweh and a little bit of someone else, you know, a false god, and and try to make that work. Of course, it didn't. But uh, so this is what happens: is they cry out, and God appoints a prophet. Now, uh, let me just share this with you: is that um, you know these first handful of verses in Judges six they remind us of a cycle that keeps repeating throughout the book of Judges, right? So you really uh, need to read the book of Judges sometime if you haven't or revisit it because you will see, um, you know, it's just like, it's just like, you know, binging a Netflix Judges thing. It just keeps happening over and over, you know, and, 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 this, and you're like, why don't they get it? But, you know, why don't we get it? <laughs> it's, just, it's so easy to be critical of others, right? Um, but here's the cycle. Here's how it goes. God's people turn from him and they serve false gods. God disciplines his people often in the Old Testament there by allowing other nations to subdue them, right? Uh, and then God's people repent and turn back to him. God raises up a judge to deliver them and then God's people are restored, and they serve him as they were designed to do. And so, but this cycle you see repeated over and over in the book of Judges. And in Judges 6, 7, and 8, we see one of the cycles. We see one of these cycles in the life of Gideon and at that time. So, so God appoints a prophet. Oh, a spider. Sorry. Go over to Andrea. Yeah. So, <laughs> I had a spider over here, so look out. <laughs> it was little. I mean, you know, I could barely see him, but it was bothering me. Sorry. Yeah. It's what you get with a church out in the country, right? All right. Yes. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, we're not going to talk about that. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yes, that's good. So what's going to happen here uh, is that after the prophet is sent by God, then uh, God calls Gideon. God calls Gideon uh, to be his man of the hour. And we have this starting at verse 11. And so let me just read these verses 11 to 24, and you can follow along in your own. Uh, and then I have them up here as well. So it says, uh, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at uh, Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezar. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of the wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. Now, I've never threshed wheat before. There's a good chance that none of you have. But, um, oh, we have somebody that's threshed wheat. Very cool. Uh, so, you know, there's one thing that you need, at least, when you're threshing wheat. You know what that is? Wind. You need wind. Well, you need wheat, too. Yeah, that's Okay. <laughs> You got me there. Was that coming from over here? Okay, okay. I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm teasing. It doesn't matter because I, I love it. I love it anyway. This is part of the. It's part of the Darby Creek experience. But you know, you're supposed to like. You really would be up on a hill probably if you're going to get a chance of catching some wind, maybe. 
Uh, and so you'd, you'd throw up the weed and, you know, it's supposed to blow away the bad stuff and you get the, you know, the stuff that falls to the ground is what you're going to keep. So you've got to have wind. You're not going to be down in a wine press, I mean, uh, to do that, but it kind of shows the level of fear, doesn't it? The level of fear that God's people were experiencing. And, uh, and actually, you know, Gideon's life is kind of exemplary of what's going on in Israel, too. Um, and so, so, it, so this is, uh, it says he was, he was uh, threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied. And first of all, I'm just thinking, you know, I'm thinking like, who, me? Down here in the wine press? Mighty hero, right? Or a valiant warrior, or mighty warrior, other translations say. And it's just kind of like, you know, and any, anybody reading this is going to say, the irony of this is just crazy, you know? The guy's a... The guy's a weak, fearful, insecure dude, and you're calling him uh, a mighty warrior and a hero? And so, so it says, Sir Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And uh, where are all the miracles of our ancestor told, told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us? And handed us over to the Midianites. So he's got a, he's got a complaint here, right? Then the Lord turned to him and said, "Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you." But Lord, okay, here come the excuses, right? Can you see yourself here? God, you don't you can't be wanting to send me. I mean, look what you got. Look where I am. But, you know, what he doesn't, he's not, it's like he's not hearing it. God says, I'm sending you. That's all you need to know is I am sending you, right? And so, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. It's like, he's like, if you were to line us up from greatest to least, I'd be at the end of the line. And so, you know, it's just, that's how he saw himself. But you know what's cool, though? In the statement that God made, he's like, but I see you as a mighty warrior. Because, you know, in God's hands, he can be. On his own, he can't be. Right? Just think about that in our own lives, how God wants to use us for his glory. Right? It might not be saving an entire people okay, or delivering them from the enemy or something, but just use you in whatever way he wants, right? And, and just knowing that because he, who, he is who he is, he's the God of the universe, the God who made you, and he knows how he wired you. He knows with, with his power what you're capable of doing in his name. And so, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what your station is. It doesn't matter that your family's a nobody or we, you know, you think of yourself as a nobody, right? That's not what God is seeing here. And so verse 16, it says, The Lord said to him, I will be with you. See that again? I will be with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. In other words, this is going to be some victory. This is going to be something to see, right? Um, 
Verse 17, Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it's really the Lord speaking to me. So he's like, hey, how do I know it's you? You know, could be somebody else. And, you know, I, the thing that's kind of interesting here is just that, hey, um, his faith is weak, okay? But it's like, it's smoldering, you know, and, and God's going to use it. And, but God's got to get him to the place where he's ready for the battle, okay? And we're going to see that. Um, we're going to see that. So he's, um, and by the way, I just don't think any of these tests that God gives Gideon is meant to be some kind of way that we should test God. I think God's just working with him. God's working with him, taking him where he's at. And, uh, you know, he, he, God's being gracious to him, uh, to say the least. Um, all right, verse 18, don't go away until I come back. <laughs> I love that. I'll be right back, God. And so, and he says, and, and that's what he's saying, and I'll bring an offering to you. Uh, he answered, I will stay here until you return, right? And so Gideon uh, hurried home. He cooked a young goat, and with a basket of flour, he baked some bread without yeast. Then carrying the meat in the basket and the broth in a pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was under the, the great trait. And the angel of the Lord said to him, place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of the staff of his, in his hand and fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, oh, sovereign Lord, I am doomed. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. It's all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid. You will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. The altar remains in an Ophrah in the land of the clan of Abiazer to this day. And so, uh, again, this is God calling Gideon. He's saying, like, you're you're going to be the deliverer here. You're going to be the guy that's going to save your people. Because, you know, he's heard the cry of his people. Um, God being uh, gracious and merciful um, and slow to anger, as the scriptures tell us, he is like um, coming to rescue his people yet again. And so uh, it's, it's um, you know, just, just God was going to use him in spite of all of his deficits and all of his problems. And I say, praise the Lord, you guys. This is any one of us. This is any one of us. I, I read this. Um, for, there's a guy named Stephen Lee who wrote an article on the Desiring God website. And I just want to read you just, uh, just a, a little bit of it. He says, he says, I didn't attend any Ivy League school. Uh, I was not a cum laude graduate. I'm not a founder, innovator, CEO, or visionary of any company. I sit on no boards. I'm the trustee of nothing more than my personal belongings. I've received no honorary doctorates. I have not been named most influential, listed as most attractive, or voted most likely to succeed. Think about all those high school yearbooks, you know. I don't know if they still do that. Um, it says, I am not a rising star in any field, industry, or arena. Uh, I have not written a New York Best Times seller, and no one has publicly endorsed, recommended, or vouched for me. I, have, I ha don't have any letters after my name. I can't uh, charge any exorbitant hourly fee for my time. I don't speak on any circuits. I have no TED Talks and have 
been the keynote speaker less than once. No buildings, no streets, or hospitals. <laughs> I know, I like that. That's the best. Got that. No buildings, streets, or hospitals have been named in honor of me. I have an, an unimpressive family background, and I do not come from a long line of important people, and that's okay. Really, it's just fine. Why? Because God is utterly unimpressed by my resume. And, uh, you know, he just, he, uh, and then he goes on to say, he says, God uses pathetic people for his glorious purposes to show his superior power. Do not begrudge your weakness. Do not lament your insufficiency. Rejoice that Christ is all sufficient and always dependable. Embrace your weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon you to reveal God's surpassing greatness. This is truth, okay? First uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 29 says the following. He says, consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring nothing things that are, to nothing things that are. So that no, here's the reason why, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Now, there's nothing wrong with degrees. There's nothing wrong with writing a bestseller. None of that, right? But the thing is, is that uh, that does, you know, in one sense, those things don't make you any more important to God, okay? Not at all. God uh, um, is going to use uh, the weaknesses that we have and the strengths, but he's going to use them for his good. And in fact, he gets glory uh, even more so by using our weaknesses for his glory. Right, so, but, and, and this is so that, you know, none of us will be able to stand before the Lord and say, Lord, you know, it was all me. No, we won't. It's all God. And uh, one last thing on this point here, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, right, where the Apostle Paul says, but he said to me, as referring to when he requested that the Lord would take the thorn in the flesh away from him, that was hindering his effectiveness, he felt, in ministry, it says, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, Paul says, so that the power of Christ might rest on me. Think about that, right? As you step out, weak as you are, maybe even in faith, right? As you just know that the Lord wants you to do something, whether it's explicitly stated in Scripture or you feel like the Spirit's prompting you to do it, but you do it in spite of your fear. You do it in spite of, you know what, I don't even know if I can, what I'll do when I do do that, right? I don't even know what I'll say when I open my mouth or whatever, okay? That God uh, is, is going to empower you as you're stepping out to do what he wants you to do. It says in verse 10, for the sake of Christ then, Paul says, I am content with my weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities, for when I am weak, then I am strong, right? So it doesn't matter. We've all got weaknesses, and it doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to grow in those things, but just know there are some things we're just going to be weak in compared to other things in our lives. But look at God. He's about to use a man that was winnowing wheat in a wine press. 
This is the God we know. He can use you to do anything he wants. And that's just it. What did he tell Gideon? I am sending you. What else did he tell him? I will be with you. That's the only thing that matters, you guys. If God is sending us out to do something in his name, whether it's obey something that we know clear from Scripture or something else, you know what? That's a, you just know that he's sending you and that he's with you. Those two things are all that matters. He can make up for any insufficiencies you think you have or have in reality. That's good news, okay? That's, that's hope for the, the weak and the insecure and the fearful, right? For all of us. Now, uh, so after this here, we see Gideon's first assignment, okay? Uh, remember how I said you God's kind of, I think God's kind of working him up to the main event, all right? And that's, uh, God takes us from glory to glory too, right? Um, and so we, we, we grow in our faith as we walk in him. And uh, there are some things that maybe you see yourself doing today for the Lord that you would have never imagined yourself doing in the past because he's working uh, and growing your faith, right? All right, so here we have Gideon's first assignment, verse 25 of chapter 6. It says, That night the Lord said to Gideon, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old, and pull down your father's altar to Baal. Okay, so Baal's a false god, right? His dad had an altar there, all right, to Baal. And he said, cut down the Asherah pole standing beside it. So, you know, his dad, you know, he was a part of a family that has incorporated um, uh, Baal worship into their lives, and that's why I'm saying, you know, Gideon's life itself is kind of a demonstration of what's happening with Israel, okay? And so he's like, you go and you tear down that Asherah pole and you destroy that altar. Well, listen, when you're living in a culture that's worshiping Baal and, and you're seen doing this, you know, this is for you, okay? We, it's hard for us to understand that because we don't live in... Uh, where there's typically, we don't live in an area where there's typically just overt, you know, false god worship like this, right? But, but listen, so, so God's telling him to do something, right? And that says, then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as burnt offering on the altar, using as fuel the wood of the Asherah pole you cut down. It's like, we're going to put this thing down once and for all, and we're going to worship the Lord our God. I mean, it's really making a statement, right? He's not just tearing it down. He's actually burning the wood on this altar, right? This new altar. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord had commanded, but he did it at night because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the people of the town. So, you know, it hasn't erased all fear in his life, Right? You know, it's, it's, again, I'm just so encouraged by this because, you know, I'm a freaky cat too sometimes. And it's just, it's just, but, you know, he's like, God's saying, I want you to do this. He's going to do it, right? He's going to do it. Verse 28, early the next morning, so here we go, the day after, early the next morning, as the people of the town began to stir, someone discovered that the altar of Baal had been broken down and that the Asherah pole beside it had been cut down 
and in their place a new altar had been built, and on it were the remains of the bull that had been sacrificed. The people said to each other, who did this? And after asking around and making careful search, they learned that it was Gideon, the son of Joash. Bring out your son. I mean, can you hear it? Here comes the mob, right? The mob is coming for their house. The men of the town demanded of Joash, he must die for destroying the altar of Baal and for cutting down the Asherah pole. Listen, Gideon's greatest fear, it's happening. That's why he did it at night, right? This is, this is, uh, this is crazy. But Joash shouted to the mob that confronted him. Now, this is amazing, too. Here's the dad. Here's the dad who had the altar, who had the Asherah Joash shouted to the mob that confronted him, Why are you defending Baal? Will you argue his case? Whoever pleads his case will be put to death by morning. If Baal truly is God, as a god, let him defend himself and destroy the one who break down the altar. What a great speech. You know, uh, God used him to, to stay the mob and say, Listen, and this makes total sense, right? If he's really a god, can he defend himself, right? And if he can, he's not worth worshiping is what I'd say, you know? So, and so he's just um, uh, saying, listen, uh, this is, uh, you know, and he says, will you are the case? Whoever pleads that case, he will be put to death by the morning. Verse 32, from then on, Gideon was called uh, Jeroboam, which means let Baal defend himself. I love that. You know, you just got to love that. You know, it's just, he's a walking reminder of, you know, if Baal's a false god, right? And uh, let him defend himself, right? Uh, because he broke down Baal's off, um, altar. And so this is just, um, again, I think I just think about that passage there. And again, uh, the grace of God. I, I just really see, you know, so many people say, you know, in the Old Testament, it seems like God's just always a God of wrath and we don't see grace. There's grace all over this, okay? <laughs> he, he, did, he didn't chastise you know, uh, Gideon for not making a bold stand during the daytime, right? Uh, he didn't chastise him earlier for asking for a sign, okay? And so we just see the grace of God. But, but the thing is that Gideon is afraid, but he obeys anyway. There's a lesson there for us, guys. There will be times where we will be afraid to follow God's clear direction um, or commands in Scripture. It will be a fearful thing. But he'll provide for you. He will provide for you, okay? <clears throat> There's a, by the way, if you, I'm not going to sing it for you, but, <laughs> right? I said this to my class in uh, my math class the other day because there's a song by which you can memorize the quadratic formula. Okay, I know that sounds so geeky, it's amazing, but, uh, you, you know, if you, you know, if you can search it, it can be found on YouTube. You know, there are many songs, and it's actually done to Pop Goes the Weasel, but I'm not doing it, okay? No, I'm not doing it, no. So, but, but just my point of bringing that up, which I should have never have, is that I'm not singing for you, okay? But, but just, you know, just this whole, where was I going with that? It's this, the song, yeah. I don't know. Who knows? It's, I was, it was a really important thing, too. It's going to change your life. Uh, yeah, it's terrible. I don't remember it. I'll remember it tonight. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll wake you all up, remind you. 
but but just God's, you know, he, God, Gideon is afraid. He obeys anyway. Um, oh, I know what it was. The song, Even If, by Mercy Me. That's a great song, right? It, it's like even the, because it, it's kind of like, you know, when you step out and obey, even though you're afraid, you don't know it's going to all work out great. Okay. And so you got to have, you know, the, you know, uh, just like the, the three Jewish boys, right, who are like going to be thrown into the fiery furnace, right? Well, even if our God does not deliver us, right, we will, we will believe it. We'll believe you, right? Even if, right? You see what I'm saying? That, that's, that's what we have to do is we have to, we have to trust the Lord that, um, that the obedience uh, in spite of fear um, is what he wants. And, and, you know, when we fail, um, we rest on the blood of Christ. We rest on his grace and mercy, okay? But, um, you know, we, we need to be like that uh, guy in Mark 9 it says, you know, Lord, I, um, I, uh, uh, I believe, but help my unbelief, right? I think we're all probably have, have uh, that element in our prayer life because there's some things where we have a hard time trusting him for, right? But, but Gideon, uh, Gideon obeyed in spite of his fear, and uh, the Lord did come to his rescue there. So and then the last thing is here is Gideon's second assignment, and this is the big, this is the main event. Okay, and uh, in, in Judges six thirty three all the way through the end of uh, chapter seven, all right that that goes on. And the first thing though is that, uh, and I love this that Gideon it says in verse thirty three. I don't have these up on the screen, but in uh, six thirty three, it says, soon afterward the armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the of the uh, east formed an alliance against Israel and crossed the Jordan, camping in the valley of Jezreel. So they're gathering together, and you can see the, the marauders are coming, right? And so uh, then it says, verse 34, Then the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. Right? It, it's, this is just, it, it reminds me of like in the book of Acts. Then Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, you know, and boom, he preaches a sermon and 3,000 people get saved. I mean, it's just, so the Spirit of the Lord was on Gideon, and it says he blew a ram's horn uh, as a call to arms, and the men of the clan of Abiezer came to him. And he also sent messengers throughout Manasseh, Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, summoning their warriors, and all of them responded. So he's like, listen, the, a battle is coming, and he's calling them all together, right? Okay, so because he knows, he knows God says, and you're, you're going to be the one to lead these people, right? Um, then Gideon said, verse 36, to God, if you are truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me in this way. Oh, this is bold. Uh, this is crazy. I mean, you know, he's, but he's, again, again, I just think that this is the grace of God and he's working with his level of faith where he's at, okay? Because, he, because he's like, I want to I really make sure this is you, God, uh, want me to do this. He says, I will put a wool fleece on the threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will, do that, uh, then I w- will know that you are going to keep, uh, help me rescue Israel as you promised. And that is just what happened. When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung it out a whole bowl of water came out, or he got a whole bowl of water out of it. 
Then Gideon said to God, Please don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece for one more test. You know, because he's probably thinking, you know, this is it, man. We go into this. It's, it's off with our heads if we're not victorious, right? So please don't be angry. Let me use the fleece for one more test. This time, let the fleece remain dry while the ground around it is wet. So it's like the reverse, right? So that night, God did as Gideon asked. Again, it's just, I'm just amazed at the grace of God, you guys. I mean, he could have just nuked him and replaced him with somebody else, right? I mean, it's God. You know, and if, if, he, if he was the weakest clan, the weakest one of the weakest clan, he could certainly move up the line. But there's nobody else behind him, right? So he, he just, I'm just saying, the grace of God, and, and he works in our weakness, and he he he's, he's, takes us along from faith to faith, okay? Again, I don't think this is meant to be some standard of testing God, right? God, if you do this, then I'll know it's you. I don't think he's meant for us to, to lay out these fleeces all through our lives, okay? Um, so, so that night God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning. The ground was covered with dew, right? So, uh, so then, uh, you know, so we, we have this Gideon, uh, you know, ask God for assurance of victory, and, and he's got it here. He's got it. God has, you know, has, has, has worked with him. And then starting in verse, uh, in chapter 7, then God's like, okay, there's too many of you. Okay, there's, there's uh, I think it was 30,000. 30,000 people gathered together when he, after he, you know, blew the ram's horn, and it's a call to arms, right? 30,000. God's like, that's not going to do. Because if I let you all go to battle with this many people, you're all going to think you did it. And so he whittles it down. First off, he says, okay, everybody who's afraid to fight, just go home. 20,000 out of the 30,000 go home. I mean, you know, I probably, I might have been one of them. I know, yeah, it's just like, you know, I don't feel like dying today, God, you know, whatever. But so 20,000 went home. And uh, I just can't imagine what's going through Gideon's mind when this is all going down. And then, he, then God's like, okay, we still got too many. Still got too many, okay? And so he's, he's like, okay. Um, you know, then he does this little test of how they drink the water, right? And so the, the people that drink the water with their hand, he's like, those are the guys that are going to stay. And how many were there? 300. We went from 30,000 down to 300. This is making for a good movie, okay? Because there is a movie called The 300. That's a different battle, okay? But, but 300, 300. Okay, this is just amazing, right? Verse 7 of, of, of Judges 7, the Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. Hey, this is the word of the Lord, man. This is the big test, right? God's been working him up to this, growing his faith as he goes along, right? So, so then, uh, after all this whittling down, God in his grace gives more assurance without Gideon asking for it. I love this. Like, so Gideon didn't ask for another test. God's going to give him some more assurance that this is really going to happen, okay? That this is really going to happen. And we see this starting in verse 8. Okay, chapter 7, verse 8, where it says, um, The Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. That night the Lord said, okay, remember, this is the Lord initiating this. 
Get up and go down into the Midian camp, for I have given you victory over them. But if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with, the servant, with your servant Pura. Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. He's like, you want a little encouragement? You want to know this is really going to happen? You and Pura, your servant, you guys go down there, and you're going to hear something amazing, right? So, so Gideon took Pura and went down to the edge of the enemy camp. Verse 12, chapter 7. The armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts, right? So you're just thinking about, what, they got stealth powers? What? No, not that we know of, right? Uh, I mean, God could cloak them if he wanted, but he, you know. But, but so, they're, they're, so they're, here they are. Uh, it says, uh, their camels were like grains of sand on the seashore, too many to count. Uh, Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. So the guys are in the encampment, Gideon and his servants there, and they're overhearing this guy tell about a dream he had. The man said, I had this dream, and in my dream, a loaf of barley came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. That's his camp, right? A loaf of barley, right? Uh, it, it says, it hit a tent, turned it over, and knocked it flat. His companion answered, your dream can mean only one thing. God has given Gideon, son of Joash the Israelite, victory over the Midian, uh, over Midian and all its allies. So these guys were like, you know, what are the chances, right, that, that he just happens to sneak down into the camp when they're relating the dream? No, this is a God thing, right? God sent that dream. God sent um, Gideon and his servant down there to hear what was said, right? So when Gideon, verse, 13, uh, verse 15, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshiped before the Lord. I mean, that would blow me away too, <laughs> right? Be down on your face saying, God, I cannot believe this. This is amazing. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, Get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianites. And he divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar. Hey, there's some battle axes there. A ram's horn and a clay jar. Let's go to battle, right, Nathan? That's the standard issue down there in Guantanamo, right? <laughs> That's crazy, right? Nobody does battle with that stuff. Well, listen, when God gets the glory, they do, <laughs> okay? All right, so, so uh, then he goes on and he says, um, then he said to them, verse 17, keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. And as soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horns, blow your horns too all around the entire camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Verse 19, it was just after midnight after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the 100 men with him uh, reached the edge of the Midianite camp, suddenly they blew the ram's horns and broke their clay jars, and then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars, and they held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hands, and they all shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched, okay, they watched. They watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran in, ran to escape. And when the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors, who did? The Lord 
the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. They're friendly fire everywhere. Those who were not killed fled to places as far away as Bethsheda, near Zerah, and to the uh, border of Abel-Meholah, near Taba. So this is, I mean, who would have thought it was going to go down lit like this? I mean, just with the jars and the ram's horns, but this is the way God's like, I'm going to get the glory. And I'm going to make these guys fight each other. Nobody will question that the Lord our God did not do that. They won't question that he did it. So it's just an amazing victory, right? And so um, this is how God uses weak and fearful and insecure people to do his work. And you and I, guys, we should be so encouraged that he does. We see his faithful, patient grace all the way through, right? Even though Gideon was still fearful and, and, and he obeyed and, and but was afraid and wasn't sure how it was all going to work out. But then, you know, God just working with his insecurities uses him to do an amazing thing. Right? And that's that's just like, you know, the, the opening uh, verse uh, that I was, uh, uh, I read here that Romans 15, 4, right? Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. This is written for our hope. And I hope it gives you hope that the Lord can use you to do whatever he wants if we just make ourselves available as we keep him number one. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this incredible example uh, that we have in the Bible, this historical account of Gideon and how you used the smallest clan and the weakest man in the clan to bring about a great victory because it was you, God. It was you, Lord, and we just pray, Lord, help us to, to um, you know, we, we, we believe, help our unbelief, God. Uh, help us, Lord, to, to grow in our trust of you. And, Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace that when we lack faith, that you are patient. And, Lord, uh, we just... Uh, We just pray that you would help take each one of us uh, from glory to glory in our walk with you. Lord, might we um, do exploits in your name for your glory, whatever they might be. They might not appear to be great exploits in man's view, but that doesn't matter. Lord, we just want to be faithful and obedient to you. Um, We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.